You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Last week, I introduced our ministry focus, um, simply stated, rock solid. It's our, our foundational scripture is out of Luke 6, 46 through 49. And please, if you, if you bring your Bible with you, and that's a regular thing, just because I have it on the screen um, doesn't mean you can't, open, you can't open it. Now, I'm going to be reading from a translation this morning you probably don't have with you. Uh, you know, I, I bounce back between a lot of different trans- translations. I do that because each one ends up bringing out some new, different nuances. So I use the message a lot. I'll use the NIV a lot. I'll sneak in a, a Amplified And then this one is actually on a New Living Translation today. Um, Luke 6. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. This is the foundational passage for where I want to take us as a church this year. Uh, Rock solid is the goal. We want to stand on a foundation of Christ. Um, In order to do that, we have to dig deep. So dig deep is the process. Um, But we're not just digging to dig a hole. Uh, We're digging deep for foundation on Christ. Here was the four foundational truths I unpacked last week from that passage, and then I've added one additional for clarification. First is that Jesus defines relationships by actions, by actions. When he says, Lord, Lord, he's equating that to hearing and doing, hearing and obeying. That that, um, his challenge is, If I'm going to hold the position of Lord, well, then that comes with you following. If there's no following, no obedience, no trust, no faith, all those words are pretty similar. And then actuality, I'm not Lord. In actuality, I'm not in in a leadership position in your place. Second foundational truth is rock solid foundations take deep digging. I outline, and I'll go over them again today, three different kinds of soils, if you will, that, that the digging has to get through. There's a top soil, there's, there's, a, there's a rocky kind of crag surfaces, um, and then there's also spoiled, which I, I called it spoiled soil, but that was a term, a slang term I had heard from construction. I think some people just heard that as, you're saying I'm spoiled. Well, we probably all are spoiled, right? Um, but this really kind of means um, compromised, Okay, it's a, it's a compromised soil, all right? Uh, three, floods happen to everyone and cause real damage. Um, uh, I don't know what floods are coming and what storms are coming this year. I don't know which ones, right? It's, it's interesting. They didn't change from December 31st to January 1st, right? It's like you didn't get a do-over. Um, so some, some have carried over. 
Um, some will be new. We all know we're going into election. This is an election year. So its own kind of stupid and crazy goes on during election years, right? Um, at least over the last uh, eight years or whatever. And I, I'm hoping to preach a sermon in the fall where I'm actually going to start trying to address a little of that about Christianity and politics and the church. Um, so I'll go ahead and tell you now because I don't know if I've ever talked probably as strongly as I'll talk to those regards. Um, but I will, I will do that sometime before I think everybody loses their um, God-loving minds. Um, um, there is no avoiding shaking circumstances, right? It's actually wasted energy. You're not going to sidestep them. They're coming. So, so the best way for us to do is instead of putting all that energy, I'm not trying to say don't avoid something you, you, you can avoid, but my point is it's coming. So the best prep you can have is building foundations when they come, right? The time to prepare for the moment is not in the moment. Right? The time to prepare for the moment is before the moment. Uh, number four is lives rise and fall based on foundations. Rise and fall based on foundations. The higher you want to go, the deeper you got to dig. All right? And so our lives rise and fall on what are our foundations. And the, uh, the last one I added is foundations are built with actions, not words. There, it's, it kind of it parallels number one. Um, but it's like the old joke I heard, there's 10 birds on a wire, nine birds decide to fly away. How many birds are left on the wire? 10, right? Because you, you have to actually put some actions to decisions, right? You just don't get to decide. You actually have to act on what you believe. So that's the goal. Um, we, we don't create our foundation. The gift of Christ is our foundation. And we dig down to that. And the reason why we have to dig down to that, first when I talked about topsoil, was that we live in an earthly kingdom, although we are spiritual beings. I heard one pastor say, we're not, let's see if I can get it right, because I'm trying to call it top of my head. Um, he said, we're not uh, um, physical beings having a temporary spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience. All right? And so what happens with, we, we get, because we live in this system, although we're created for another system, there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets layered on top. It doesn't have to be bad stuff. Topsoil is not bad stuff. If you don't have topsoil, right, you don't have grass, you don't have some grass. Topsoil is not bad stuff. But sometimes we get stuff that gets layered over that's not great stuff. In fact, what it is, it's keeping us from great stuff, right? It's distracting us from things. It's covering up. It's layering things. In order to dig deep, you got to get through the topsoil. And it, doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of effort to get through topsoil. It's not hard, fast soil, but it takes enough to identify that it is getting between me and what's better and what's great with the Father, and, and then trying to push that and get that out of the way. That's top soil. Not all the stuff that takes our attention and energy is bad stuff. It just might not be foundational kind of stuff. Okay? And so, so the questions you have to ask yourself then is, what, you know, what, are your goals, what are your goals as a family look like? Are, are, is that foundational stuff? If you achieve those goals for your family, will, will those goals keep you from, from collapsing under a storm? If not, then I'm encouraging you to dig deeper. Dig deeper on those goals to find out what you build on. What about your time, energy, and resources? Right? How, are those foundational things? Are they creating and developing foundational things? Or not foundational things. It's everything that we should be asking ourselves. Is what we're after, do those things conform to the word, to the will, and to the ways of God? Do they conform or not? It's always a good time at the beginning of the year to reassess 
those things. The more you ask those questions of yourself, the more topsoil you're going to be able to clear in your life. What about the rock, the rock portion, the blasting? I told you that Tennessee is well known for Tennessee limestone, and it's expensive to buy, and it's expensive to get out of the way if it's in the ground you want to build on top of. You actually have to take more effort, more energy to get that out, and it comes out in pieces. It comes out in pieces. So I, I did a little research around um, the process of something petrifying. You familiar with this, right? You have a, if you have wood that is petrified wood, it's, it's hard as a rock. Well, how did it get that way? Well, over time, groundwater in specific, um, the minerals in the groundwater displace the soft material, the organic material in the wood, and when it does that, it becomes hard. It petrifies. Actually, it's, it's from the Greek root, petra, meaning rock. You say, wasn't that what we're after, Pastor? Aren't we after rock solid? No, we're after having a rock solid foundation. We're trying to get rid of the rock in our life. Okay, And so there are places inevitably in all of our lives, and they happen for a variety of reasons, right? Everything from hurt to stubbornness to sin to all kinds of different things. There are places in our life that get hard. And when they're hard, what that means is there's no capacity for that area of our life to receive the word of God, the grace of Christ, or the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things cannot have the, they do not have, they will not be able to seep past the places that we put signs around saying, do not disturb. Caution, don't go here. This is closed. And so why would we close off parts of our heart and our lives that become hardened? Well, some of that comes out of a self-protective nature, that we want to self-protect ourselves. So if we can just isolate it off and put it over here and not have to deal with it, then we feel like we're better off. And I would say I, under I understand the need to self-persevere, I understand the need to self-protect, and yet those areas, if you leave them, um, if you exclude them from what you're asking God to seep into, they're going to stay petrified. And so then there's an area of our lives that, that growth can't take place, and that's an area of our life we can't build a foundation on, right? Limit, in essence, you're limiting your building envelope, right? If you have 10 square feet, and two square feet of that has petrified, and you say, well, I'm just going to build something smaller. But eventually what you're doing is you keep chipping away into your own area that you can build because you're not willing to pay attention to those areas that have petrified and allowing God to seep in there with the word of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's good stuff. Someone needs to lock into that. So... Um, so here's something to encourage you, I hope, if you think, well, pastor, I've tried that before. There's nothing that's going to get to that place. I believe there's no place, no behavior, no addiction, no abuse, no thought pattern, no hurt, and no disappointment that can't be broken up by the truth of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you allow the word of God and the grace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will see those places soften again. Now, I can't put a time limit on that. But I can, put, I can put an obedience limit on that. The way, the way we stay there is we begin obeying what we hear the voice of the Lord saying. When you allow the word of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit into an area of your life that's gotten hard, God will lead you further in this process of getting rid of that rock. Now, that might be, there might be some confession involved with that. There may be some repentance involved with that. There may be some forgiveness involved with that. I can't speak to all the things that will, will, that will be necessitated. But what I, can, what I can assure you of is the Father will lead you in those places. 
And he's always going to lead you in there with grace. He's going to lead you in there with grace, but he's not going to sacrifice the truth. Okay? Because that is graceful. When someone tells you the truth, that's grace. Okay? Grace and truth. All right, let's talk about the contaminated or the spoiled soil. Living in this culture makes us susceptible to compromise. Anybody would agree with that? Okay? It makes us susceptible to compromise. And compromise weakens us. Compromised soil does not have the capacity to carry the weight of your life, much less the shaking we will experience in this calendar year. Now, I can say we can experience in life, but I'd like to just, 2024, there will be storms that will come for you and me in 2024. The compromised areas of your life, what do I mean by that? The areas where we've just decided it's okay for me to think, act, or behave in this way, feel this way, um, and I'm going to put those over here, and I just find that the direction of God and the word of God, it's just too restrictive. And so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of make my own pizza with this over here, and I'm okay with this. That area looks fine. Looks fine, feels fine. You've, you've already kind of worked it out to how to work that part of compromise into your life. But I'm telling you, compromised soil cannot bear the weight of what God wants to build in your life. And if you were here last week, forgive, forgive the comparison analogy. Every place you see in our parking lot that is dark black and there's things that's faded, that's where when we were building this building, Bell Construction uh, trucks and, and all the heavy equipment collapsed those areas of our parking lot. And when they looked and they got deeper, in some areas, asphalt was laid right on top of the dirt, not even with any gravel foundation. Now, I'm not going to put fingers at the other builder because we were trying to save money left and right. So I'm, I'm sure he said, you need parking, I'll give you parking, you will handle cars, you figure out the rest later, and which we did. And um, we figured out that we had to replace a lot of contaminated soil, right? A lot of soil that could not look fine, but could not bear underneath the weight that was put right on top of it. That's why the compromised areas in our life matters. Because all of those are areas in which we're selling God short in. We are really, we're, we're really adapting into, think about God creates, God creates the world in six days. And every day he said, this is good. And he gets to day two. And I can imagine at some point in time, even God would say, man, this one was really good. I thought day two was great. My gosh. I guess he could say my God. Can he say my God? Um, this is day three. So he finishes all of this and he goes, it is so good and it is so complete. It's time to rest. And then Adam and Eve come. All part of that, man, this is good. And at some point in time, they had to say, well, I think we can make this a little better. Because you've taken this piece out of the equation, and we actually think if we add this tree back into our diet, things will be really, really good. Doesn't this make sense? Doesn't it, doesn't it logically work out? Okay? And so that's really, we're buying into the same ancient lie when we compromise. The whole, same ancient lie. I will be better off as a result of doing this this way, cutting this corner, adding this thing to my life. Although, although I know that the word of God and the grace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit does not reside in that compromise. 
And the reason why I fast, one of the reasons why I fast every year is because it helps me identify those places. It helps because they, all of us in here are compromised. At some point and level, there are, there are things, there are stubborn areas in your life that have hung on and clinged on like they were a family member. And I get that at some particular time, it's just easier to kind of try to go on and quarantine that piece and try to keep it from contaminating the rest of your life. But if you find success in that long term, come find me because I can only find success in that temporarily. All right. Um, so all that seems very daunting because um, the idea of dig digging deep feels like it's, it's a personal effort, something that I've got to do on my own. But listen to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read this out of the message. Um, Peter, who knows a thing or two about the ups and downs of a relationship with Christ, he knows a thing or two about aiming high and actually shooting low, okay? So, so it, really, it really should resonate. He says, I, Simon Peter, am a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I write this to you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours, all due to our God's straight dealing and the intervention of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you many times over as you what? As you deepen, all right? So, so he's doing this. We've got an exchanged life because of Christ. But now, as you deepen in your experience with God and Jesus, our master, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know him personally, uh, getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. That's Jesus. So that as we get to know, as we get to know Christ, it's amazing that the, the miraculous, life-pleasing things that he puts into our life, the, the, the life of pleasing God into our life. This is the best invitation we've ever seen. Seen. We're also given absolute terrific promises to pass on to you. Your ticket to participation in the life of God after you've turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. Our world has always been corrupted by lust. Simple def definition of lust is chasing after, chasing after something, chasing after something, um, regardless of the, um, the implications or the um, uh, um, consequences, okay, of something. All right, so verse 5, so don't lose a minute in building on, okay, now we're going to be building on, we've dug, we're building on what you've been given. Now here's how we complement our basic faith. We do that with good character. Doesn't good character have to be built? Right, there's stuff that has to be resisted and stuff that has to be added for good character. Good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its, what? Reward. There is, there, there is rewards. There is a reward in this chasing. As you what? As you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. This is a faith that we mature into. We just don't get it and move on. We mature and develop into that. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. All right, saying you're not that same person anymore, so stop acting like that same person. All right, so then he says, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this and you'll have your life on a firm footing. The streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our master and savior, Jesus Christ. Because the stakes are so high, 
even though you are up to date on all of this truth and practice it inside and out. Okay, so he's knowing, he's, he's trying to encourage the people he's writing to. You're doing the right things, all right? But then he says, I'm not going to let up for a minute in, the, in calling you to attention before it because this is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders, and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. When I read that, I bolded and underlined that because that's part of my role in your life. If you call Gateway Church your home, as your pastor, I got to say, I'm not going to let up for a minute in calling you to Calling, to it, calling you to attention before it. This is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders, and I'm going to stick with it. I know that I'm going to die soon. Now, that one we hope we put off longer, but at the same time, we all know it's coming, right? I know that I'm going to die soon. Peter understood this. He said, the master has made it quite clear to me, and so I'm especially eager that you have all this down in black and white so after, that, that after I die, you'll have it for ready reference. Amen for Peter. So the rock-solid nature that we're going after is kind of a partnership. It's a, it's a co-creating, co-partnership with God. God has done his part. He's given us the gift of the Son. Now in the digging deep, he's given us the word, of Christ, the word of God, the truth of God, the word of God. He's given us the grace of Christ, and he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does that relate to fasting? So in Matthew chapter 6, I call this the God-first chapter. I say it's the God-first chapter because he ends, Matthew, he ends that chapter saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and all these things will be added unto you. All right, so I consider it the seek-first passage. It comes in the first public sermon of Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. He ends the Sermon on the Mount with the Luke passage that we read, that we read at the beginning about if, if someone call me Lord, Lord, but do what I say, if you build, if you build your house um, on the rock of Christ, that is following and obeying my direction, right? So he ends the Sermon on the Mount with that. Um, he begins, I'm, I'm going to jump around on you back there. He begins the Sermon on Matthew 5. Where he says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled, right? So we're already introducing hunger and thirst. But then Matthew chapter 6, he begins by saying uh, a couple things. One, he talks about giving. He talks about praying. He talks about fasting. Then he goes into um, uh, storing up. Where, where should we be storing uh, our riches, quote-unquote, and it goes into not worrying. But I call it the first passage uh, because God first is always going to be significant. And since he says give, pray, and fast, thinking these are significant foundational pieces for us to fast. This is why for 19 years, Gene and I have fasted the beginning of the year. It's not the only time I fast in a given year, but generally most of my other fasts that come in the year is because I am now up against something that I have no idea how to deal with. And so I, I, it's more of a, if you will, a desperation fast, and you can find plenty of those in Scripture when, uh, when someone finds themselves in a situation they can't figure out, there's no way to move forward, that sometimes it requires us to fast. But we fast at the beginning of the year because I don't know what this year is going to hold. And so I want to I come back around and put Christ first. And fasting is a way to do that. So um, for the purpose of this morning, we're going to stick to um, um, the fasting piece, which is Matthew 6, 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face 
so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right, here's some three um, basic observations from the passage. The first is fasting is a normative spiritual practice, right? When you fast, right? It, it, it already points out that fasting is a normative process in spiritual living, all right? Um, my simple definition of fasting is putting aside food for a specific time for a spiritual purpose. So I'm not just trying to save money. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm not trying out a new fad diet. There's a spiritual purpose in my fast. I'm putting God first in my fast. Even before I ever start asking for something, um, I am reordering my life around putting God first. Fasting breaks the habit of feeding yourself, and it creates a foundation of feeding your, 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 your soul. Um, and there is a reward, there is a reward found in that, that God can bring fullness where we create space out of emptiness. And it is amazing how much time we spend around food in our culture, probably in every culture. But you think about the time you figure out what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay for what you're going to eat, how you fix what you eat, how you clean up after you eat, and then you're ready to do that all over again because there's, some, there's another meal to be served or had. There's so much time consumed. Even, even, my, even my days, right? Well, wh wh what's my lunch meeting? Where's my lunch meeting at? How soon do I need to leave in order that I'm not late for that meeting? And in the day when I would do three or four breakfast meetings a week, um, I'd be someplace that I literally have taken a breakfast and lunch meeting back to back at Puckett's where I never left. Right? They just, they knew me. I had my, I had my table. I'd sit there. How many coming in today, Pastor? I got two today. There'll be, there'll be, one, there'll be one at seven, and there's going to be one at 11, and I'm just going to probably save time and work here. There's so much time that goes around eating that if we, when, we, when we push pause on what we do with that, it's amazing how much time that creates more from God. Those who hunger and thirst after God will be filled. Prioritizing God doesn't shortchange us. It fulfills us. You're not giving up anything when you receive something greater than that which you have given up. You're not giving up anything. Now, there's a sweet spot that happens in the fast. So if you've, if you've begun the fast, if you haven't and you're still not convinced of it, I'm not here to convince you to fast. I'm give, trying to give you a tool in which to strengthen your foundation with Christ. Okay? And there's still two weeks. It's, oh, I can only fast in the month of January. No, but January is the first of the, first of the year. That's just kind of why I put mine here. Um, but um, uh, the sweet spot of the fast for me, there's two. After three days of no caffeine, no processed sugar, my head has finally become mine again. Now, what I'm fighting through here is a little bit of head cold, so forgive the congestion. But the first three days of no caffeine and no processed sugar for a guy who drinks probably, probably a half gallon of sweet tea a day um, as the year goes on. Oh, don't shake your head at me, you nutritionist. Um, <laughs> it's just fuel for my soul. I don't drink coffee. I'm a sweet tea guy, all right? Um, so three days, uh, I feel like I'm getting smacked in the face. That headache goes away after three days. And then seven days, after seven, a day, seven days, my stomach has calmed down because it hasn't gotten its favorite foods. And my favorite foods aren't a whole lot different than when they were when I was 17, okay? So, so after that seven days, now there's one more habit that I have to break. And that is the habitual nature of eating and snacking. All right, that, that, is, that one's the hardest for me to break because if the TV's on and the game is on, 
I'm eating. I, I, there is going to be some snack in my hand. And, and, and this, is, this is true of our culture. I did a little research. This is someone from executive VP of a marketing research company. said snacking today is pervasive. It's actually a lifestyle. Uh, $116 billion spent in 2017 for snacks, and that will increase to $170 billion. billion that's with a B by 2027, all right? So snacking is the real thing. And so these are some of the thoughts that came to me. Fasting is the anti-snacking approach to developing a rock-solid spiritual foundation. Fasting introduces whole foods back into our spiritual snacking habits. And spiritual foundations can't be built on spiritual snacks. That is a heavy statement. That spiritual foundations cannot be built on spiritual snacks. But I love you version. I, I listened to the verse of the day probably 300 out of 365 days in a year. I, I, I love that. That's a snack. It's not a bad snack. It's a nutritional snack, right? But it's a snack. I'm not going to get by on the storms that's coming in my life by reading a verse of the day. I'm not going to. All right, just you might be able to. Your pastor can't. There has to be something deeper and a depth and more rich that takes more out of me because when I dig, when I dig, man, it gets down. You can give me something. You can, okay, listen. Like you, I pray that you take away something from every Sunday. I pray that you do. But when you dig deeper into it, it's going to stick deeper. It's going to, I try to boil things down into phrases and we put them on the screen and all that. But when you dig a little deeper, when you have some discussion around this, and I know so many of you do. I get this, uh, you know, the conversation at lunch was, I was driving, I was driving with someone we talked about, I, I, your small groups, these kind of things, when you dig yourself, right, if you ever have had to teach something, you understand you have to have a different depth of knowledge of that and experience so that you have the ability to teach something. Your faith should be something you're able to teach. Moms, dads, your faith should be something that you're able to teach to your kids. It matters that they see you, but it also matters that they hear you. But that goes for all of us, that we have people in our lives that need to be taught this. It needs to be, it needs to be demonstrated to them. It needs to flow from our speech to them. Our speech should be different around them. Our character and actions should be different around them. Our habits should be different around them, right? Because this stuff we have been called to teach, to carry on, to pass on. All right, let me, let me move on. Fasting is our foundation for, for, for building. Fasting is for foundation building, not attention getting. All right, Jesus addresses this. He's saying, the spiritual elite among you are trying to prove their elitists by how they fast. And they want you to know they're fasting, so they make it look like they're, like they're carrying on, like they haven't ever, you know, like, wow, they're going to miss a meal. I'm going to miss hot chicken for one week, and I'm going to be devastated, right? And so he's saying that those are people that are trying to raise an elite status of themselves. That's not what fasting is about. They want the reward. They got the reward. You want a reward from fasting? It's done in secret. Well, why are we talking about it, Pastor? It's because I'm trying to take more people through this discipline. Because the more people of Gateway Church that will spend time in fasting, the stronger our foundation of our church will be. Plain and simple. The more people that are praying the stronger the foundation. The more people that are worshiping, the stronger our foundation. The more people that are serving God, 
The stronger our foundation, the stronger our witness, the stronger our influence, the stronger our impact, right? And so the more people, the, the beauty of a church is the concentrated numbers. The more numbers you can concentrate in on something, the stronger something will be, the impact and everything else, right? So that's why we're talking about it. But I had a pastor, I had a pastor on our staff in Atlanta that every time he fasted, he'd carry around um, a, a gallon jug of water. I mean, it was before they had these fancy cups, right? So, so um, your Stanley cups. Uh, so it was, the, it was the gallon jug of water. But after a while, I was like, dude, really? Can you keep it in your office? You know, and you just go back for a drink later. I mean, you're going to carry it to every group meeting you got, you know, like, like it was a moonshine, you know, it's kind of how we carry it. And he was a great guy, and he was a great spiritual man, and I, you know, and he, but I'm like, I, man, I just, you might be missing the boat on this one. Um, it is a deep expression of humility and desperation. I stand before you to say that I fasted for 19 years, not because I am a strong spiritual giant, probably just the opposite, that there was desperate, desperate times that required something different than snacks. All right, the last, the last piece, this is the one everyone really wants, is that fasting is rewarded. It says he rewards those who fast. What's the reward? Well, in essence, the reward is, the, the reward is his presence. But let me break that down a little bit deeper to you. His presence manifests in different ways for me. And they have, these all have spiritual or scriptural um, uh, backing too. But for me, what fasting does at the beginning of the year is clarity of identity and vision. Clarity of identity and vision. The year generally begins to erode my identity in Christ. There is enough beating that happens from the storms of life that I begin to have my identity in Christ eroded, where I forget who I am in him, what has been given to me as a result of my relationship with him, the strength and power that he has in my life, where doubt and indifference and those kind of things start seeping into my life. When I fast at the beginning of the year, it gives me more clarity around who I am in Christ. Also, vision takes a beating over the course of a year. A beating, right? Because you get then you start getting um, around the stuff that has to be done, the stuff that lines up that you ha- demands your attention. If you don't do this, if you don't get this done, then things going to fall apart. And after a while, you start focusing on surviving instead of thriving. And I don't mean that in in, in some in some um, self help speech guru stuff. I'm I'm just saying that that, that you know. Christ said he came that we might have life more, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. That's out of the message. But if I'm too busy surviving, then I'm not thriving. And so the thriving piece, then if I get clarity of vision. It's, com- it's almost like God kind of picks me up out of the mess and says, okay, you got, it. You got your bearings again? Charlie, did you get your bearings? You know where you're going. You know where you're taking Gateway? Are you just going to be dealing with all these issues over here? Or are we actually going someplace? And this is the same way with you. Are you just there to take care of all this stuff? Or are you actually going someplace? And so what, what fasting does, it reorients re- my, my world. It puts me back up on a higher elevation to, for God to say, Charlie, look, that's where we're going. Over there. You see this as a setback. Let's turn that thing around. We're going over there. So clarity of vision. The second thing that happens... Um, and we can, you can read that in Daniel 1, Daniel 1 and 2, particularly for me, is, is where, and this is, I believe this happens with Jesus and his 40-day fast. 
The gap between Jesus as the, uh, as the boy growing up and Jesus, the man in public ministry, is a 40-day fast. And I believe in that 40-day fast is where he gets all the clarity and all the strength and power. In his weakest moments is where he's the strongest. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that was when he was the most hungry. He's able to stand on the strongest foundation. I don't need the stuff you promised me. I've got the stuff God's promised me. All right? The second thing that happens is I call it, I made up a word. I know I don't ever do that. Clarity. There's clarity that happens when I fast. Clarity is that God either, either, um, either moves something out of the way or moves me through it. Okay? Fasting appropriates a level of spiritual power that exceeds the opt- obstacles and the oppositions in front of me. On one particular occasion, um, the, the, the apostles or the, the disciples could not cast out a particular demon. And they had done that before. And Jesus circles in behind them. He casts out the demon. They went, okay, why couldn't we do that? Jesus' response, this type comes only by, out only by prayer and fasting. Meaning there are things that, that we face um, in our life that, that we can't necessarily move out of just our normal, even our normal spiritual practices. All right, so clarity. Um, when, when I write out, we'll talk about prayer next week. Let me say that there's that book out there again. That's a free resource called Pray First. It talks about fasting in the back of the book. Last week I said, hey, if, if you already have some fasting material, kind of leave that new resource for everybody else. Okay, they had that opportunity last week. Now they're all free game. Whatever is left out there, please take That's a free, they're free, so I want you to grab one. They're not free because they're not valuable. We paid good money for them. They're free because I want you to have them, Okay. So um, there are certain things that I pray for in my fast, but some of those really, depending on the year, is about clearing the way. Already recognizing what are the barriers to this being achieved. And I can't clear these barriers, but I can follow you through these barriers. And and listen, no no amount, there's plenty of, of me saying, I would prefer you to remove that barrier, but I'm willing to walk through that barrier with you. All right, so clarity. The last piece, um, the last kind of reward um, that comes out of um, fasting for me is um, courage for movement and advancing. Um, When I hear God's voice clearly, it's amazing how courageous I am. Um, It means that my courage to move exceeds my fear of whatever's threatening me to stay put. And you can see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, after their very short fast, um, I get courage for movement. I will say, if you lack courage in something, some storm you're facing, can I introduce to you the spiritual practice of fasting? In Scripture, there's fasting from one day, three days, five days, seven days, 10 days, 40 days, 21 days. Why do we choose 21? Well, this comes particularly out of Daniel chapter 10, but, but regardless, um, of, of whatever you, I usually, when it's around something very, very difficult uh, that I'm facing, it's the timeline that determines my fast, right? I might not have 21 days. I might not have seven days. It might just be something that's going to happen that day that I fast over, okay? This, because I want to set the agenda for my year, is why it's 21 days, all right? But I've told you before, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Set how long you're going to fast, how are you going to fast, and stick to it. When you go to the resource uh, tab on our website, 
under rock solid. I list Bible reading plans. I list tips around fasting. We list different types of fasts, okay? So all that information is there for you. I will say this. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Gene and I, years ago, did not get caught up in, in, um, in um, Googling uh, Daniel fast recipes because all it did was put more attention again what I was going to eat, right? We just, I told you, we keep it very simple. We don't eat any meat. We don't eat any bread, no caffeine, processed sugar, uh, no bread. And I, I, I made a mistake uh, last week when I talked about Annie 19 years ago saying that when she was eight telling us she was going to fast candy. She didn't say she was going to fast candy. Gina corrected me in the car. Um, I went right to the punchline. She came to us after thinking at eight saying, I'm going to fast green beans <laughs> is what she said. Dad, I know what we're going to fast. I'm going to fast green beans. And Gina was like, honey, you don't like green beans. <laughs> and it turned into what she decided she was going to fast candy. And that has then been that purposeful thing in her life. See, if it matters to you, it matters to God, right? It's, it, fasting is putting away spiritual food for, or, uh, food for a spiritual purpose. Um, it gives me courage to move, especially when you see God starting to work in a situation that has been stubborn, and you start seeing him start move some of that dirt. Wow, you just get fired up. You just get fired up. All right. So team, come on, come on up. Um, before church last Sunday, we had already, Gene and I had already started the fast because I can't preach with a headache. So I try to get a jump on it to get the caffeine and processed sugar out of, out of my system so my head is somewhat attached to my shoulders. And, uh, but going into that Sunday, I prayed, I asked God for a simple thing. I said, would you encourage me today? First Sunday of the new year, I asked God, very specifically, will you encourage me? Now, I didn't say, I didn't put a parameters around what that would look like. I would know when I was encouraged and when I wasn't, right? So I just said, do you encourage me? So I got here at my normal time, started going through my normal routine, sat in my chair over there. I actually worship during rehearsal. And so I'll, I'll sit there by myself. And, um, and I remembered, oh, wait a minute, I got those books for everybody, but I didn't tell anybody from our staff that I had them, so I probably needed to go out there and get that box out of a closet. And there was a little boy who came early with his dad named Bennett. And Bennett looked me in the eye. Bennett's about five. His smile was this big, and he ran and bear-hugged me right around my thighs. And I grabbed Bennett, and I said, Lord, thank you. You know what? That's enough today. Because our relationship with Bennett started with me seeing him and Bennett running the other way, right? Me chasing your kids is like me, ch I chase them all until some point in their life, they turn and start chasing me and then they get old and they just ignore me. So I, so I stick with the younger ones and um, I just said, Lord, I said, Bennett helped me count out books. I said, Bennett, can you count? He said, I can count to a hundred. And so he helped me count out books and he counted out books and put them and I came back there in my chair. I sat there and I go over my notes and I make more notes. And I looked, and he came, sat by me. He had a little tithing envelope with a pen. And he sat down, and he started taking notes, too. And then he was finishing. He looked at me and said, well, what do I do with it now? You know, and it was, it was really cute. I just said, Lord, that's enough. But then we had two very powerful, moving services last week. And I went, wow, Lord, that's extra. And then I got home, and I got a text from someone that was in one of the services. And they said, Pastor, a while ago, I mean a long time ago, God had put in my heart to do something very specific for you, and because I didn't know how to do it, 
I just forgot about it. And at some point in the message today, it just randomly popped back in my mind. And just the time it popped back in my mind, you said, whenever you hear something from the Lord, obey it. She said, so this week, this is what I'm going to do. I went, okay, now we're getting crazy, right? Now this is getting stupid. Um, and then Monday morning, the, the, the national day of pastoral resignations is, is Mondays. Um, uh, Mondays can be a very discouraging day. The enemy, you know, you kind of, I'm tired. I'm emotionally tired. I'm spiritually tired. And so you're more susceptible, right? When you're tired, you're more susceptible to the lies of the enemy. And on that day, I got an email from someone who said, Pastor, now, if you were here last week, at the end of both services, I felt like God gave me a prophetic word coming out of our last song. And that prophetic word was, you have prayed something during this song, and God has heard your prayer. And someone sent me an email and said, this is what I prayed, and this is what I believe as a result of that. All right, let's go home. Day's over, right? It's a good day. And that was after a couple days of fasting. Fasting is not the, um, the spiritual shortcut to anything. It's not magical. It doesn't somehow um, demand God's attention. We're not manipulating God in a fast. It's what happens when you humble yourself before the Lord in such a manner. And you put yourself to the back. And you push him to the front. It's amazing how he responds when we do that. Just amazing. And Father, in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would demonstrate to all of us the places that we have put in front of you. Father, I pray that you would identify in all of us the soil that needs to move so that we can allow your word and your grace and your power to seep deeper into our lives, to, to move out and create space for more solid stuff from you. Lord, break, break our, our spiritual snacking habits. Replace them, Lord, with meals. In our response, church, the, 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 the three things that I felt God was calling us to do today is something for us to confess, something to repent of, and something to accept. At the beginning of the year, look, if there are those places in your life that you have elevated or circumvented for Christ, if there's compromised areas in your life, you, you know what those are the hurts that you have um, you have covered over, you know those. You know the things that are actually repelling the word, the grace, and the power of God, and the areas that if those were healed or repented of, that you would create more space for God. Look, confession, until you say something out loud, it's not real. You, you kinda, it's easy to dismiss thoughts. It's more difficult to dismiss words. So this is why confession is good for the soul. So there may be something to confess. 
Repentance is a thing that no one wants to talk about anymore. Repentance is ownership. It's, so I confess it's real. My repentance is I own it. This is mine, and I don't want it anymore. This is mine, I don't want it anymore. That's what repentance is. So I confess it's real. I repent, I own it. And then I accept. I accept the grace of God. Grace of God is not just for our sin. Grace of God is also for our weaknesses. Because grace can be as equally translated in most places, power. So I, 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 I accept the grace of God. Then I receive. I receive from God the forgiveness of God. I receive his forgiveness. It is not possible to to. Uh, to repent to God without receiving the forgiveness of God. Forgiveness of God. I accept then the hand of God. God will not just forgive and replace. He will lead. He just will only lead. He'll strengthen. You don't have to do this stuff and you don't have to do life by yourself. Christ is ready to step in anywhere where he lets you let him. I've told you this before, right? Water will go anywhere you let it. And water by nature will flow to broken places, low places, if you don't stop it. My encouragement today is don't stop it. Allow the grace and the power and the truth of God to flow into those places. So, we have communion to my left and right. If you remember, we've reserved, sometime mid-year we did this, we reserved this side of the altar. If you want to come and just spend some time with the Lord at an altar, on your knees, posture is always very important. This side is if you would like someone to come alongside and pray with you. You want someone actually to link their faith with yours, and we reserve this side of the altar for that. Um, But movement matters. I encourage you not to leave everything in your head today, that there be some movement attached to it. Stand with me for prayer and then we will we will move and confess and repent and accept kind of all during this time of last song of worship father you alone penetrate our hearts nothing charlie said today nothing charlie said today has the ability to penetrate but lord your word penetrates and any movement anyone feels it's because your spirit is working on their life Lord, I pray that each of us, Lord, would yield to your spirit so we will be strong in our foundation. Do something today in our lives, in this moment, Lord, that we will not forget. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I invite you to move. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today. 